You are now entering the Nintendo Power Zone. Now you're podcasting with power. Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. We are a video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo related topics. I'm your host, Nice1983, and I'm your co host, Mario After Party. And today is a very awesome episode because we're going to be talking about the April 12th Nintendo Direct. Nintendo showed off a lot, and not just for its latest console, the Switch, but it also doubled down on its commitment to the 3DS. So there's plenty to talk about, but before we do, you know we got to dive into our Powered Up News segment. So let's go ahead and start with the biggest topic. The NES Classic was discontinued. Yes. So the NES Classic could be considered a comedy of errors. That's that's the best way to describe it. So they announced it back in July of 2016. No pre-orders. None whatsoever. Comes out on November 10th, right before Black Friday. And these things are impossible to find. So personal stories, I actually had a network of people trying to help me find a Switch. And you mean the NES Classic? Uh, the Classic. NES Classic, yeah. The NES Classic. But, you know, we were able to find one on Amazon Prime now and get it delivered to the house within two hours. But it took, like, five people looking and... I know you actively pursued one. You went to a couple of physical retail locations. You didn't find one, nor did I. Or when I did go to a Toys R Us, the line was like around the block. And that's been like the case. And even after the holidays, Nintendo just hasn't been able to release a, a big enough stream of these of these devices to accommodate the, the demand. So it's literally a comedy of errors. They just haven't been able to get this on the ball. And to see them discontinuing it now, less than six months from, you know, launch to now, a lot of people are pissed off, man. I mean, a lot of people. Despite the fact that I have an NES Classic, I'm pissed off because I'm like, this was, this was easy money. You could actually make, I've actually seen the joke online that Nintendo hates money. Yep, I have too. Um... It's, uh, it's, it's bad. It's bad PR for Nintendo to do this because there are a lot of fans out there who really wanted an NES Classic that aren't going to be able to get one, and I don't blame them for being salty because, especially for the people that really tried hard to get one and and just didn't want to give in to the scalpers online. Um, I think they they estimated that they sold about 1.5 million NES Classics. Um, and I think they probably could have easily sold, you know, anywhere from five to 10 million. I mean, this, this could have been the breakout hit of the holiday season. I mean, it was a hit, but it could have been so much more and it had evergreen potential. It, it really did. Um, it could have been, it could have been huge. It probably could have sold more than 10 million units, but we'll never know. Although, um, I, I, Personally, believe that it will be back 
And I, I think that because this, the Japanese statement, which they also discontinued the Famicom Classic in Japan, but in their statement, it specifically said that, well, we apologize, but production of the uh, Famicom Classic is uh, temporarily discontinued, and they use the word temporarily. So that makes me think that the NES Classic for the for stateside um, will yeah. also be temporarily discontinued. Now, um, we both kind of have some theories uh, rolling around as to why they discontinued it. I actually uh, agree with Nice One. He, he basically um, suggested that they just want to focus on the Switch, and they need to spend basically all of their um, efforts and, and all of the uh, space in the factory just manufacturing Switches because that's the, the console that needs to succeed. Yeah, exactly. Because Even though like the NES Classic, it's a nice side piece, you know? It's like something that they can make money off of more than once. They can release it again and again and again, and it's evergreen because the games that they have attached to the NES Classic, those are timeless, and people will shell out for them, especially if it comes in a nice package like that. But it's not something that Nintendo needs to focus their efforts on. It's something that, let's do it, and then maybe let's get it right the second time we push this unit. Right, and this, because of how important the Switch is to Nintendo's future as a hardware company, they need to focus 100% on it. So I understand, if, if that is the reason, I understand why they're doing it. But I don't blame people for being upset, because Nintendo never even came close to meeting the demand for this product, and it was just, it, it's just really bad PR for them to go ahead and, and say that they're discontinuing it. Now, like I said, could be wrong, but I personally believe that we are not getting a, a Super NES Classic at the end of the year because I don't think Nintendo wants anything to compete with the hype of the Switch. The Switch is going to, for, for Nintendo to really be successful, the Switch is going to have to maintain its hype throughout the holiday season, um, throughout the summer. It's going to have to really be big all year long. And I don't think they want to release a new product that's going to take away from that. So I think they're going to re-release the NES Classic maybe in a different form, probably an improved version with a longer uh, controller, and maybe even like just a, a different version like a Mario-themed NES or just something to, to kind of refresh in it and put it back out on the market. And, and I think that they might be willing to do that by the end of the year because it's since it's not a new product anymore, it won't take away from the Switch hype so much. But I, I don't think we're going to get a, a Super NES Classic until 2018. Um, and that and really, uh, I just, I'm basing that off of um, what Nice One said, that they really, they're probably using whatever um, factory space they, they have to manufacture Switches. To play a little bit of Devil's Advocate, I actually do think we're going to see a Super NES Classic around the holidays again. Uh, hopefully they're learning from the mistakes of the NES Classic, but I think that Nintendo, in 2016, Nintendo did a really good job of capitalizing on nostalgia hype. And even though the Switch is a priority, I think even though the Switch has appealed to a large demographic, I think there's a demographic that the Switch doesn't necessarily cater to. 
and that is lapsed gamers and you know just retro gamers in general. Yes, there's going to, you know hopefully there's going to be some like big push in the eShop for some of these retro games, but you know time will tell. But I do think that a Super NES Classic will appeal to that demographic, and I think that Nintendo is smart enough to go ahead and just keep pushing, you know, take that momentum that they had at the end of 2016 with the NES Classic and just be a little bit smarter about it. It just depends. If they make better decisions, I think they can release the Super NES Classic, and it doesn't detract from the Switch. I think what it does is it generates buzz around Nintendo as a whole. I think Nintendo is a big enough company that they can actually support two systems, and because they're not really competing systems. You have one system that is for on-the-go and home play, and then you have another system that's that'll sit there and that'll be your your go-to machine whenever you feel like playing like an old classic game, you know. Like depending on what games in the library they want to put on a Super NES classic. You know, you want to put in you want to play Donkey Kong Country, go ahead, pop in your Super NES classic. I don't think they I don't think they clash as far as what they offer to the consumer. I think they're two completely separate products that have completely different demographics. So if they do release a Super NES Classic, I think all that will do is just generate buzz for the holiday, and it'll give Nintendo a lot of hype going into the Christmas season to have two big products. I mean, it's not like they don't release games on the same day. If you look at it, the last time, you know, a Smash game and a Pokemon game were released on the same day at one point. Yeah, and I mean, if they if they release it for $60 like the NES Classic, I guess it is kind of like just buying an, a game because um, Breath of the Wild was 60 bucks. So, so you know, I guess you're, you know, that's a good point. They might not um, clash with each other, at least not uh, price-wise. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, either way, if they do release... Um, the NES or the Super NES by the end of the year, I think they're they're going to make sure that they have enough in stock. Yeah, so it, I mean, it's a wait and see. I know, I know a lot of people are pissed. Though. I mean, and you know, my brother made the point to me the other day when we were talking about it. He goes, "You would be more pissed about this if you didn't have one." And I was like, "You, you know what? You're right." But even though, you know. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I've never been one to make excuses for Nintendo. I look at what they're doing, and just to see that they doubled production of the Switch, to me it made a lot of sense that they might... Something had to give. It was either going to be the NES Classic or the 3DS, and as we're going to get into in our you know topic of the month, there's a lot of renewed interest in what they're doing with the 3DS, so they're not going to... You know, I don't think they're going to... They're not going to kill the money-making system that continues to generate money, Right. Versus, you know, the $60, you know, mini machine that they have. Right. And, and uh, like I said, the Switch has to succeed. The NES Classic, they could release that anytime, and it's always going to kind of hit that niche for all the, the retro gamers and all the gamers. Well, yeah, that. it succeeds on its past merit. Yeah, it, it's a nostalgia piece, and um, I think that... It'll be back out, but I, you know, I'm. I was pretty mad when I when I first read it. When I thought about the reasons why, though, I mean, I would rather see them put forth 100% effort into making sure that the Switch 
demand is met because it is more important to meet switch demand than it is to meet NES classic demand. But I sympathize with everybody who wanted one because if you're salty, I don't blame you. Absolutely. All right, moving on to our second uh, news story for this month. Man, when you talk about things that you don't expect, Breath of the Wild sold 925,000 units on the Switch in North America. In North America, but in North America they have only sold 906,000 Nintendo Switches. That's more than a one-to-one -one attach rate. That basically means people who don't have Switches have bought copies of Breath of the Wild for the Switch either in anticipation, maybe collector's purposes. Either way, they've the game has actually outsold the console in North America, which, which is I didn't even think that was possible, but it, it really is. I was kind of like speechless. But it basically means that this game has sold, you know, it's got a hundred percent attach rate and then some. That is incredible. And this makes it now this is Nintendo's fastest selling game, which just last year was Pokemon. It was the fastest selling game. This is an incredible feat for Nintendo. And it's it's just a lot of I mean, there's a lot of hype behind Breath of the Wild. It got it's it is the it is the game with the most perfect scores. It's one of the highest rated video games of all time. And this is this is actually this is incredible. It just it's mind boggling. I, I it's hard to put into words how like awesome this is for Nintendo, but like what are these people doing with these copies that <laughs> they don't have the switch? Are they just staring at the box art? I don't know. I mean, some people might have bought the collector's edition and then they bought the regular edition. Uh, or there might be some people who can't find a Switch that decided to buy Breath of the Wild so that they don't have to get it or look for it when they do get a Switch. But I think this just goes to show you that when Nintendo can meet the demand, this is how successful they can be. What's also pretty cool is, though, is that you know the article continues to read that they sold 460,000 copies of Breath of the Wild for the Wii U, which is almost 50% of what they sold for, you know, the Switch. So that many people buying the game on the Wii U is also, you know, it's a, it's, it's a nice little swan song for the Wii U, you know. If this was the last game you, you were going to buy on your Wii U because Nintendo isn't making any first-party games, at least you got a good game out of it. Yeah, and I'm assuming that the people who bought it for the Wii U didn't also buy it for the Switch, so that means that that's a potential like half a million Wii U users who will probably transition over to the Switch as the library grows. Hopefully. Um, Although I was pretty tempted to buy a copy for my Wii U. I didn't know if I'd ever play it, but I was pretty tempted to actually make the purchase because for some reason it almost felt wrong to buy that game on the Switch because I had been anticipating it for my Wii U for like three years, you know, and to actually buy it on my Switch. I mean, granted, I needed a launch title for my Switch. I really did. Glad it was Breath of the Wild, but I almost wanted to get it on my Wii U. I didn't make the purchase. You know, I bought one to Switch instead so I could play with my girl, but it's a lot of people who bought it on the Wii U, man. That's I'm surprised that many people were dedicated to not upgrading their hardware, but 
I mean, think it could be those are the people who feel burned by the upgrade of the console. You know, after a, you know four year lifespan, maybe they didn't want to make that decision to upgrade because they're like, nah, man, I've been burned. Right. Well, we have to come to the reality that maybe Nintendo has burned one too many bridges with some fans. I think so. I think you can only burn people so many times before they just they get tired of it. And Nintendo needs to make sure that their future releases with their future products meet the demand. And um, the one thing we haven't really talked about, though, is... And, and maybe we should address it real quick, is... The difference, the differential between you know the Wii U and the Switch right now, because if you look at the biggest titles that we're anticipating right now, obviously was Breath of the Wild, also available on the Wii U, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is an upgraded version of a game that exists on the Wii U. Maybe that 460,000 people don't see enough of a difference between the two consoles to make a decision to upgrade. And that might be another thing. Bridges burned. Like, you, I already bought this game. Why should I go ahead and make the commitment to buy it again? Now, personally, as a fanboy, I'm actually really excited to play Mario Kart 8 on my Switch because Mario Kart games are some of my favorite games to play handheld as well. Mario Kart 7 is one of the best Mario Kart games in the library for Mario Kart, and Mario Kart 8 is even better, and the ability to play that at home or on the go is really appealing to me. But I can see a, a large contingency of the fan base saying, all you're doing is giving me stuff that I've already had. Now, these are the same growing pains that PS4 and Xbox 360 players had, especially PS4 players, when that early launch lineup showed The Last of Us and Grand Theft Auto V on brand new hardware. And they're like, this hard, these games exist on the previous generation. And that was one of the reasons I didn't upgrade to a PS4 for a long time. I waited almost three years before I got a PS4 because I didn't see a difference. The libraries weren't distinguishable enough. And once they did, I was like, now it's time to buy a PS4. Although the PS4's launch was even more successful than the Switch's launch. Um, the Switch is Nintendo's most successful launch, but PS4 and Xbox One both had launches that were far more successful than, than the Switch. So, Switch still has a lot of work to do to catch up to the competition, and I think that it, it will because it's it's gonna. I think it will be able to maintain its momentum. But but going back to what you said, yes, people who have the Wii U, I think that there are a lot of fans that are burned. There are people that are that are angry because they couldn't get an NES Classic. There are people that are angry because they bought a Wii U and now. Nintendo is trying to make them pay for a whole new console that you can get those games on, on the Wii U as well. Now, I, I personally don't feel like buying Mario Kart 8 is, um, is like buying the same game again because the battle mode and, and the new additions, especially that huge change to the game mechanic of allowing you to have two items again, um, and then just the fact that now it's portable... Um, which is huge. It it really, for me, it justifies the purchase. But I totally understand if there are people out there that feel like no, it doesn't justify it for me. Yeah, the, it's like you got there are no the libraries aren't distinguishable just yet. Right, and 
and I will say that I'm very impressed with the eShop. The eShop has, there are a lot of really great indie games out there, and there are a lot of great retro games out there um, that they have been releasing, and they have had constant updates and uh, new releases to the eShop. I have yet to make an eShop purchase, but I'm almost 100% sure now I'm, I'm going to try out one of those Metal Slug games. I didn't get a chance to play them uh, very much when I was growing up, so I really want to go ahead and, uh, and download some of these great eShop games. But yeah, um, like I said, Nintendo really has to do a better job with meeting the demand and, and not burning its fans, because you can only burn your fanboys and fangirls so many times before people get tired of you. So, I like I said, I understand why Nintendo is discontinuing the NES Classic, and um, I understand if people don't want to... The people who are holding out for a, uh, a Switch because of, of the points that you made, but, but yeah. Um, although, I think with the uh, games that they showed off at the Nintendo Direct, anybody who is on the fence with a Switch will probably, um, I think that will made up, have made up their minds because this summer you really don't have an excuse anymore. All right. So, guys, those are our new subjects for, you know, for this week. And we want to know, what is the bigger story? The Zelda Breath of the Wild, sell out, the game outselling the console, or the NES Classic discontinuation? How do you feel about it? Email us, hit us up on Twitter, let us know. You know, you can always hit us up. We want to talk about it, so go ahead, give us your thoughts. But let's go ahead and move forward because on Wednesday, uh, April 12th, there was obviously Nintendo's Direct. Uh, they talked about a lot of stuff, and the Direct was, it felt different than, you know, previous Directs. Less cartoony, more like PowerPoint, you know, like a PowerPoint presentation. It had bullet points and everything. Uh, before we actually get into it, what is your overall grade for the uh, the Direct? I would give it a B. I think it did the job. It didn't blow my mind. There were a few things I was disappointed with, but ultimately it did what it set out to do. Yeah, I also give it a B. I think it showed that uh, Nintendo's interest in its current active hardware is, you know, on one front, it's like we're not discontinuing our thought. We're not uh, we're not changing our thought process on the 3DS. Who are going to make sure that it has a stable and growing library? And with the Switch, it's like this is our commitment for the next like three months. This is like a three month commitment for the Switch, which is nice. But uh, nothing in the presentation was absolutely mind blowing on either front. Right. Uh, for the Switch, it was mostly games that we knew about. You know. Arms and Splatoon were the focus. We knew they were coming. Uh, we got a few details that we're going to discuss in greater detail. And with the 3DS, it was there were a few titles we knew about, a few titles we didn't know about. One title that I wasn't even certain was coming to America at one point that I'm glad is. But nothing so, like, altering that it changes the course for either console at this juncture. But let's go ahead and let's start with the 3DS's... Uh, section of the presentation. I thought it was actually pretty strong. I, I, I still think that there are some notable games missing from the 3DS library, like 
Where the hell is Detective Pikachu? That game hasn't been made outside of Japanese territories, and I'm just confused. Like, where's the commitment to that game for Nintendo? Uh, when they announced it, it seemed like there was a big hype behind it, but it made no, its presence nowhere to be found. So let's talk about the games that they did show. So obviously, we have Hey Pikmin, which is a 2D side-scrolling version of the popular Pikmin franchise. I'm actually looking forward to this game. Uh, it's It looks different from what I'm used to in the Pikmin series, but ultimately I think... Uh, it's a nice way to bring that game to the handheld because that game I don't think necessarily works with its isometric view on a screen size as small as the 3DS. But, you know, let's see what Nintendo has in store for us. I thought that was cool. Obviously, uh, Nintendo showcased Ever Oasis again. Uh, we haven't seen that game or heard of it since E3, and it was kind of a big focal point for their 3DS part of the E3. Uh, I haven't changed my opinion on the game. I I don't know if I want it or not. Uh, a game that I did want and didn't even think was coming to this country was Monster Hunter Stories. First off, guys, this game, Monster Hunter, those games are always fun. And one with a more RPG uh, style to it, that really appealed to me. And this game has the best lineup of Amiibo. And the thing that boggled my mind is they... They talked about this game, and they didn't showcase the amazing Amiibo that they made for it. And I'm like, uh, is this game not going to have Amiibo support in the U.S.? Because I'm going to be pissed because After Party actually got me one of those Monster Hunter Amiibos for my birthday. He imported it, and to see that I have an Amiibo for a game that's coming out, and to, to not find out whether or not it's going to have the Amiibo support... That threw me for a loop. Uh, but I know a game that you're watching is... Yeah. RPG Maker. Um, I have always wanted to make my own RPG. I know there have been games um, in the past, you know, over the past two decades where you have been able to do it. But uh, I think the last game I remember that being on was I think it was maybe the PlayStation or PlayStation 2 and it didn't get very good reviews so I ended up not getting it but um, what I like about this game is that you don't have to have the game to play your friends RPGs because you can upload your RPGs online and then you can get online and play other people's RPGs even if you don't have the game itself so if I purchase the game and nice one doesn't want to get it he can still play through my RPGs that I make, which I think is is really cool. And I hope that uh, that game is good because I I just it just kind of uh, scratches that creative itch that I have. Yeah, I like the concept of it. Not really a fan of an RPG game that I'm not necessarily playing through the story in and of itself. Uh, that's the beauty of the game, though. Like. I don't have to buy the game if I don't want to. And if you make a game, I can go ahead and play. I like that idea, like being able to play through an RPG, knowing you, you're going to make some devil stage. It's going to just start off fucked up hard. Uh, well, you already know the storyline is going to be twisted. but <laughs> No, but it, it's a cool concept. And it's one, it's, it's a strange concept. I don't know if Western audiences gravitate to games like that. 
it's weird. It's 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 gonna be it's an ex it's like an experiment. Uh, another game that Nintendo go went ahead and talked about is the third iteration of Yokai Watch Two. I find this strange that uh, the fact that Yokai Watch has yet to take off in this country in any significant way, yet Nintendo's commitment to the franchise is unwavering. Uh, I know initially they because of the success the game saw in Japan, they expected some Pokemon-like renaissance for the Yokai Watch franchise, and it's just not sticking. It's not sticking in Europe. It's not sticking here in America. It is too uniquely Japanese. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have that um, kind of special um, cross-cultural uh, appeal to it. So it it really it, it is kind of a game that you're you're going to see it massively popular in Japan, but un unless you got some um, otaku in America, it just really it, it doesn't really cross those cultural boundaries like Pokemon did. Um, but they're still pushing it. Um, you know, and it's it's a shame because like this. You know, these uh these games are actually made by like a really good video game developer. I mean, these are the same people who make the Layton franchise and those games are good. They're really good. And they do have a cross cultural appeal to them. Yet Yokai Watch doesn't have any foothold. It it's it's impressive to see how to see how uh, un unimpressive the game has done in other territories. It's I just feel like it's too uniquely Japanese. And it's a shame, too, because it's like, this is a company that doesn't have to make games for Nintendo. They don't, they're, they're a third-party developer who has brought the Layton franchise and the Yokai franchise, which both make a lot of money for Nintendo. The Layton franchise obviously does better in other regions. Yet, if they feel that the Yokai Watch franchise can appeal better on consoles like you know, the Vita or mobile, they can go to those those markets and try to make their money that way. Now, I don't know if the mobile space is the right place for a game like Yokai Watch, but if they can figure out a way to make it free to play, they can definitely recoup the the development costs at the very least. Because I'm I'm wondering if they're recouping the cost to go ahead and localize the games in other markets. If they're selling enough to like justify that, it is what it is. I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like Nintendo's really trying to force feed us this franchise, and nobody's, nobody's swallowing. Uh, moving on, we have Metopia. Uh, Metopia, the the cutest me-based video game since Tomodachi Life. This is I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this game. It's a RPG with me's. And apparently the Miis can fight each other instead of the enemies. It, it has a lot of the same appeal that Mitomo has initially and uh, Tomodachi Life has. And, you know, it's just another excuse for us to enjoy our Miis specifically because we don't really get to enjoy them on the Switch. Like, they're kind of an afterthought on that console, which is kind of a shame because I have grown attached to my Mii over the last, you know, 10 years. But I like it. And uh, finally, we're going to wrap things up with on the 3DS with uh, the Kirby 25th anniversary. There are a 
plethora of games coming out. Uh, three like mini games from Planet Robobot that have been expanded. So you got like your fighting game. You have your like uh, Kirby's blowback where he's like inhaling enemies and in or bombs and shooting them at enemies. They look really fun, but ultimately like they're expanded mini games. Um, and then they said they are developing a co-op action uh, game for the Kirby franchise that will be released in the holidays, which. In my mind, I'm already thinking, is this the Kirby's version of Triforce Heroes? And it's it's a good commitment to Kirby for its 25th anniversary. Yet, you know, when I look back, that last year was Zelda's 30th anniversary and Metroid's 30th anniversary. To see a game like Kirby get the push and those games get, you know, kind of pushed off to the side. I'm like, Nintendo's priorities, sometimes they, I don't get them. Um... I guess Kirby's more universally appealing. But well, the- those games are also easier to develop. You know, Breath of the Wild was supposed to come out last year, and um, it's kind of it, it kind of is that belated birthday gift for the uh, 30th anniversary. So, and that's a huge game, and it takes a long a long time to develop those games. So, you, it's easier to to make three Kirby games for the 3DS than it is to make Breath of the Wild because still, but man, I mean the the true, but they didn't have to delay the Wii. Apparently, they didn't have to delay the Wii U version, and then to like kind of give us. Now I love these amiibo, but to give us like a 30th anniversary set of amiibo, it was almost like a slap in the face to long-term fans and to a franchise that has broken the bank for them. Obviously, I don't think releasing Breath of the Wild on the Wii U would have killed it on the Switch. But, you know, Mm. that could have been a toss-up. I mean, only 460,000 people bought it. I I think it's good that they waited. But, but yeah, I mean, when when you talk about... Or do you want to move on to the... Oh, no, I just want to... Before we go any further, that's a lot of games for the 3DS. Uh, I like the fact that Nintendo's, you know, showing renewed... Or commit, yeah, a renewed commitment to the 3DS hardware, especially when you have a console like the Switch, which also has handheld capabilities. The last time Nintendo had two handhelds simultaneously was the 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 DS and the Game Boy Advance, and the DS cannibalized the uh, Game Boy Advance's market, just completely ate it, and Nintendo didn't even actually retire. The Game Boy, they just kind of quietly kept moving on to the DS, even though their exact wording were, these are two parts of the same tree. They're different branches. They're meant to exist side by side. I think that's what we're actually seeing here versus what we saw then, where, you know, obviously the Game Boy branch fell off the tree, and now we have two branches on a tree that are firm and holding tight. It's, it's interesting, but I like the renewed... Uh, interest in the 3DS because even though that console is going on its uh, sixth year, I still think that it's not exactly long in the tooth just yet. No, it's still selling well, and there have been um, you know months here and there where actually it's been hard to find the 3DS. So, oh yeah, this holiday season was damn near impossible to find one. Yeah, it was one of you know Nintendo's products that 
really wasn't able to meet the demand over the holiday season again. Um, 3DS did it better than most um, things. Like 3DS was obviously way easier to find than uh, any of the NES classics, but still had some issues there. But um, unless you have anything more to say about the 3DS, let's move on to the Switch presentation. All right. So with the Switch, they went ahead and brought us right off the bat. They talked about ARMS. And uh, obviously, we got a release date, June sixteenth. Yeah, honestly, that was the most uh, <laughs> for for me. That was the most significant thing that they gave us was a, a confirmed launch date for Arms. They didn't really show me anything new. I know they showed us a new character and and a couple small little features, but at least we know when it's coming out. And personally. June is not spring, okay? I know maybe on a calendar it's technically spring, but when, like, most of the kids are already out of school for the summer, I don't think you – because Nintendo said that they were going to release this in the spring, and that's, like, <laughs> literally, I think it's, like, you told me it was, like, the last day of the, – The last Friday of spring. Like, come on, Nintendo. June is not spring, okay? June is summer. Although, look, I've come to learn with Nintendo, when they say something is coming out, in a specific window, I've come to learn that that wouldn't, like, stop anticipating your early people. When they say Pokemon Bank is coming in January, they mean at the end of January. Well, Splatoon 2 got a launch date as well, and it kind of actually was what I was anticipating, so it kind of met my expectations there. But ARMS, I was a little, a little disappointed, but uh, ultimately... I mean, I'm still hyped for the game. I like the new character that they showed off. Uh, what's her name? Min Min. She's like a, a yeah. ramen. She's a ramen girl. I like her uh, her little dragon arm. I like. She's got a little swag to it. And I like the stage that they showed off. That it was a basically they were fighting in a ramen bowl. That was pretty badass to me. I was like, they're fighting in a ramen bowl. I was like, this is awesome. Now, the one comparison I've been seeing to Arms is Overwatch. A lot of people are calling this the Overwatch for the Switch. Unique, colorful characters that like really shape the feel of the game, and that's very much what Overwatch is. Is like a bunch of unique characters that that really just make the game like awesome. And I'm, I I see the appeal, but I I really kind of like the punch out elements to this game, like. It's weird. To, I still think it's weird that Nintendo's releasing a you know a pseudo boxing game, and it not be a punch out tie in of some sort. I'm really hoping that a character that gets announced for this game is like a stretchy arm version of Little Mac. Cause that would be awesome. I would love that. It it seems wrong. I mean, honestly, the art style kind of is reminiscent of what Punch Out looked like on the Wii. So I don't think it would be that. You know that hard to add Little Mac in the game as just you know fun DLC character. I'd pay for Little Mac. Yeah, that would be cool. Honestly, for me though, I, I feel like the best part of the Arms presentation was the neon Joy Cons. That was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, beautiful. They're so nice, man. And I'm like, damn it, I just got a pair of an extra pair of the neon red and blues, and I'm like, damn, because those yellows look so clean, and I. I almost here's the thing I, I'm I'm tempted to get these but now I'm like no because the second I buy these they're gonna announce Splatoon Joy-Cons and I'm like 
damn you. Because this was going to happen. If, if they're showing off new color Joy-Cons this early in the console's right, lifespan. this early. It's been out for, what, a month and a half? And they're showing off new color iterations. First off, Nintendo never releases color variations this early in a lifespan. And they did. And I'm like, Joy-Cons are expensive. They are not cheap. They are 80 bucks for a pair. This is a slippery slope. So do you think we're going to get a uh, pink and green Joy-Con? Or, like, de- or at like least... Like a Callie Marie-esque color? At the very least, I think we're going to see an orange and a dark blue. Or that. That would work. Those have been like the two colors that have like they've promoted Splatoon with since day one. Like a deep orange and a dark blue. It's going to happen. So you know what else I thought was pretty damn cool? Was that they actually showed off these extended batteries... For the Joy-Cons, they actually take two AA batteries, and they basically said if you're going to play ARMS with the motion controls on for extended periods of time, you're going to want these. These are a weird accessory. I think they're weird because they're not rechargeable. This is very strange. I hate it when I buy products that don't have like the lithium-ion battery. Uh, but depending on what kind of battery life you can get out of two AA's, these could be pretty cool. Have you had issues with the battery life for your Joy-Cons? Actually, no. I haven't either, and I have played a lot of Breath of the Wild docked, and I'm telling you, I charge my Joy-Cons every, like, three or four days. I mean, I've really got a lot of use out of it. I've only... There's only been one time where I had to charge my Joy-Cons in the middle of a play session and it was a long play session and I had an extra pair of Joy-Cons ready to go because I mostly played Breath of the Wild with the Joy-Cons versus the Pro versus the Pro controller and it was just an easy swap for me and I didn't think twice about it because they're it's almost impossible for them to run out of batteries cuz that's I always have at least one pair of my Joy-Cons docked yeah I honestly think this is like more of a luxury item Still, though, for a game like ARMS, I think it could, it could, it, there, it's an interesting product. I don't... Interesting to say the least, but man... <sighs> Joy-Cons, man. Nintendo really trying to bring some more joy out of these Joy-Cons. All right. So what other games do we have on the docket? Street Fighter 2 Legends. Woo! Street Fighter 2. Which I'm surprisingly... I didn't think I would be interested in this until I saw the trailer. And the trailer... Which, I mean, I saw the trailer before the Nintendo Direct, but it looks amazing. Um, I really like all the features that they've added. Just the extra characters with uh, Evil Ken and, and uh, what do they call it? like Violent, oh no, Violent Ken and Evil Ryu. Okay, Violent Ken and Evil Ryu, those are cool. And then the uh, obviously the co-op mode where you can team up with your friend against the computer by sharing your health bar, which... I have not seen very often in fighting games, and honestly, the last fighting game I played that was like that was uh, way back in the arcades when I was playing Fatal Fury. So, I think that's cool. And then they have the weird like first person way of the Hado, way of the Hado, like with with like first person Hadokens. Honestly, I don't know if that's going to be any good, but everything else that they've shown me has already sold me, and I am. I'm definitely getting this game. Well, it's it's like a bigger package than I expected. And it this is Street Fighter's 30th anniversary. This feels like an anniversary title to me. It really does. And I'm, I, I appreciate the fact that this is like the best version 
of Street Fighter 2. I love the fact that you can switch between, you know, the hand-drawn art and the standard, like, pixelized version of the game. I love the new character additions. And it's Street Fighter 2. Like, you can say what you want. Street Fighter 4 is a great game. You know, the Marvel vs. Capcom games are excellent. But there's no Street Fighter 2. That Nothing tops that game. And if you're an old arcade head like I am, that's the game that taught you how to play video games competitively. So there's a certain appeal to it that no other game can replicate. Now, it is still kind of a retro game at the same time. So do you think this has a chance at 2018 EVO? Depends. Is Capcom willing to bring back a game like Street Fighter 2? I mean, Street Fighter 2 hasn't been out of EVO that long. It's only been out of circulation since 2014. No, 2014 was the last year Street Fighter 2 was playable at EVO. So it's only been three years since it's not been playable. Do they want to get you know build a prize pool for this game? Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take... First off, it's going to take a commitment from Nintendo. Say, we want this version playable. And obviously, we didn't even get a commitment from Nintendo for ARMS at EVO. Right, but ARMS hadn't come out yet. So I think it's a sure bet to, to say that ARMS is going to be in the running again. It's definitely going to be a candidate for EVO 2018. I, I wonder if Street Fighter 2 is going to be competing against it. It would be interesting uh, be, because it require because there are so many iterations of Street Fighter 2 and the tournament scene really controls which iteration of the game is playable. That being said, Hori did announce an arcade cat an arcade uh, controller specifically designed for this version of Street Fighter. Now, competitive Street Fighter, the top tier players play with the arcade stick. That's just the way it's been. They play with the arcade stick. Having a very high profile company like Hori make an excellently designed fight stick is a step in the right direction for competitive play for this specific iteration of Street Fighter. If that is considered to be the standardized controller, if that is a controller that they want to make standard, then I absolutely think that Street Fighter 2, Ultra Street Fighter 2 for the Switch has a very good chance. But because this game has something, you know, the simplified control scheme, which you tap the screen, and that basically allows for easy moves, they're gonna have to ban control schemes for this game. Yeah, but that's easy. Yeah, still, but banning control schemes, it's weird. I think it has a good chance, and I would like to see it at EVO, but I just, I just, I'm in this mindset that the game has only been out of EVO for three years. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, we do have to kind of see what the reviews are for Street Fighter II Legends and uh, ARMS. Um, I'm assuming they're both going to get good reviews, but you never know. They might come out, and, and uh, maybe they won't live up to the hype, but I'm, I'm definitely... Uh, very optimistic that those games are going to be good. Um, if you want, though, uh, you, you told me you were interested in um, the continuation of the Sonic franchise. Whew. So, 
after years of being publicly crucified by Sega, Sonic is getting some titles that look legitimately good. The first one being Sonic Forces. Sonic Forces is a 3D slash 2D Sonic game. So what we have here, we have two playable versions of Sonic. We have Classic Sonic and we have Modern Sonic. Classic Sonic stages are going to be side-scrolling and Modern Sonic stages are going to be 3D-based stages. That it, you know, so instead of quick-paced, fast action, you're going to have more exploration in those 3D stages. This is very similar to what they did with Sonic Generations. Very, it's almost identical. I, I'm certain the stories will be different, but this is a concept that Sega has played with before. Now, Sonic Generations was a pretty well-reviewed game for a Sonic game, but Sonic games of you know the last. 15 years haven't been reviewed all that high to begin with, you know, because they haven't been good. But Sonic Forces looks legitimately good, and they, it looks like they're willing to take their time to make this game well, which is something that Sega themselves have said they have rushed development on Sonic games. Sega, please keep in mind, Sonic has to go fast, not you. Now, that's cool. Nice, you know, cool 3D Sonic game. That's exciting, but what's really exciting is the other game that they have on the palette. Fucking Sonic Mania. This is a throwback title. We're going back to 16-bit Sonic, and it looks awesome. I love this. There's going to be old stages. There's going to be new stages, all new bosses, three playable characters with Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles. This game is every Sonic's fan's wet dream. Like... You know, somewhere Tom Kalinske's got his two thumbs up saying, thank you for fixing what you broke. Because that's what happened. Sonic was broken. They broke Sonic. They bastardized it. They broke it. Now, this was a franchise that had three cartoon series. You know, it was kicking Nintendo's ass all over the place. And Sonic was an icon. And literally the only reason Sonic has any legs to stand on is because he appears in certain Nintendo franchises. That's sad. That's sad. But Sonic Mania looks incredible. You've got, like, veteran designers working with younger designers who grew up playing these games and really wanted to make a nice throwback game. And you've got original composers, which is big because Sonic games have always had great music. Always. So I'm looking forward to this franchise showing, showing new signs of life. And these two games, this in, in the same calendar year, this, this this has potential. And they're I think they're good games to have on the Switch. Now they're both multi-platform games. But this is one time where I think this is one of those times where the Switch I think has the edge. The portability factor really helps these games stand out on the Switch. Because like we said before, this isn't a handheld trying to replicate a console experience. These are actual console experiences that you can take on the go. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Sonic Forces and Sonic Mania do good numbers on the Switch. So these are awesome to me. Uh, moving on, Minecraft for the Switch. Minecraft, not a, not a big fan, but it's an evergreen title. This This is a game that has proven that it 
it has legs and it has value on whatever platform it's put on. Yeah, it's one of the most, uh, it, it's one of the best selling games of all time, and it succeeds on every platform it's ever been on. And the Switch is getting special Mario exclusive content, so I think for Minecraft fans out there, this is pretty much a must buy. Um, and then on top of that, Nintendo has said that they're going to release Monopoly. Which is one of the most popular board games of all time. Oh, so. right, going back to Minecraft real quick. Okay. Just real quick. I want to talk about Monopoly, but I just want to throw this in there. Portability. Yeah. Minecraft with portability. You can be playing Minecraft. Johnny, we got to go. Okay. And you're still playing. Nothing is stopping you from playing Minecraft. Kids are going to want this version of Minecraft. Well, and it, it makes Monopoly better, too, because, um, you know, it's hard to play Monopoly on a console because you don't want to play by yourself. And online, it's not one of the best games for online play. But for local multiplayer, it, re it works, and you can play the board game in the car without having to worry about all the pieces. And it's just... It's one of those games that it works because the Switch is portable. Well, I love that it uses the tablet mode as the board. I love how they showed that off. But I'm, I'm also like really intrigued that it uses HD Rumble to simulate the dice rolls. Yeah, I mean, that's just a... I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, okay. I'm actually kind of wanting to play Monopoly on the Switch. Well, I, like I said, it works because if, if this was just a console experience, I'd be like, okay, that's a cheap title no one's going to buy because who's going to want to play it by themselves and who's going to want to sit there online while people like take forever to take their turns. You know, I mean, it's Monopoly's one of those games that it's a board game you play with people who are there right in front of you. And you can do that with the Switch because you, you can all play on um local multiplayer without having to worry about all the pieces and all the cards and everything that go through the game so that works and then like you said minecraft super popular game every platform is successful and now you can you can take that with you too yep moving on payday 2 uh multi-platform game well been out on other consoles already i looked it up and it's it Payday 2 was first released in 2013, so this is an old game, um, and it's been out on every every platform. I mean, it's been out on PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. But not on the Wii U, oddly. No, not really oddly, because it's I believe it's a mature title, and it looks like it's... I mean, it's got to be at least teen, but based on the... Uh, the presentation and the trailer. I'm sure they're going to add something new to update it for the Switch, but at the end of the day, it's an old game. However, I am still glad that they are bringing games like this on the Switch because you need to have mature titles to bring in those gamers that feel like the Switch doesn't meet their gaming needs because it's, you know... Nintendo's reputation as being a, a uh, child-friendly, child-friendly kind of a console that makes kitty games, and you got to have those mature titles on there. So I'm glad that they they are bringing those mature titles and even going as far as to advertise them on their own directs because it's like saying, look, 
we're going to have adult games. We understand that there are gamers out there who need to have these mature titles if we're going to pull them in. And so that's a good start. I mean, obviously, we, we need more than just Payday 2. But, it, I mean, the game looks like it could be um, a pretty good title. It's a good way to also potentially sway developers like Rockstar to bring franchises like Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto onto consoles like the Switch. They need to know that Nintendo has a commitment to the M-rated games, which, you know, they didn't... They didn't, bat, you know, they didn't chastise M-rated games on the Wii U, but they didn't advocate for them either. So, showing off a Grand Theft Auto style game is a good way to say, "Come work with us, Rockstar." Right, and and obviously one game alone is not going to draw in those consumers, but eventually, when you start to amass multiple adult games, multiple mature games, I think you will see more of, of those kind of gamers who just feel like they, they're they a little scared to go over to Nintendo because they, might, they, they may lose some of those mature experiences that you can get um, that are plentiful on the Xbox and the, the PlayStation. Uh, it's it, Like I said, it's a good start. Um, but we saved the best Switch game for last. If you want to go ahead. All right, so Splatoon 2 showed off new content. Uh, they started with a new mode. I love how they started with like this very like late 70s, early 80s style like commercial saying, come work for us. It was very, very cheesy, and it drew me in. And then they went ahead and they showed off what essentially breaks down into a sort of horde mode with Salmon Run. Uh, very interesting. You have a team of four, uh, just like standard turf war, playing against AI. And you, you hunt and kill salmon and steal their eggs. And it's oddly intriguing. It is, but it's bizarre. And really, we don't know like how this mode really works because they didn't go into the um, gear configuration and they, they, they told us that it, you know getting the golden eggs are going to be important because we need to use them in-game for something but we don't know what and because we don't know what we can purchase and we don't know how the gear setup is going to be in this well, game. Well, said they had like specialized gear right. specifically for this mode. Which I was really hoping that they would explain more of the gear setup in this Direct, and uh, they didn't, because that's a really important feature for Splatoon, especially if it's going to be successful eSport. You really need to have a more standardized gear setup instead of a um, random number generated uh, like it was on the Wii U, where you just had to roll the dice and hope that you got the attributes that you wanted, and if you didn't, you had to keep re-rolling and re-rolling and re-rolling, and they really need a an easier way to get the attributes that you want. So I was waiting for them to explain the new gear system, and they didn't. They gave us this bizarre horde mode, which I think it's interesting, but it's not... Um, I don't think it's going to be the only new mode. No, definitely not. I think it's just... Uh, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg for Splatoon 2. I also like the fact that, you know, 
that they didn't show us a new stage. I actually like that. I want them to save things for E3. I don't think they necessarily need to blow their wad showing everything for Splatoon 2 here and now. I think it's better to... Sh I think it would have been better to show off a little bit more for ARMS than it would have been for Splatoon because ARMS is coming in June and then Splatoon is coming after E3. So, interesting fact is that ARMS comes out the very last day of E3 and Splatoon is coming out a month after that. So, you know, better that it would have been better had they showed off more arms. I think they showed off the right amount for Splatoon. I just think it left us with some lingering question as to like what does this mean for the overall game? What does what is this mode really there for? Because it doesn't seem to have any competitive basis like the other games do, especially with Nintendo kind of pushing to this esports realm what does a mode like this do for that contingency of of the splatoon player right and it really honestly doesn't do anything it's just a, it's just a mode that is more for in-game purposes and it looks fun i think it's it's a different like approach to have a team that that you're actually working together against computers it's a different um challenge for sure but, like I said, uh, it wasn't really what I wanted to find out. It wasn't one of the things that I um, was dying to know about the game. Although, I'm, like I said, it's, not, it's probably not going to be the only new mode. Uh, eventually, like you said, at E3, that's probably when they're really going to give us everything on Splatoon 2 and go into more depth about how the game is actually going to work with the mechanics and the gear and stages and weapons and everything like that, but um, we'll see. We also got a definitive release date for Splatoon 2, July 21st. Uh, a little later than I actually anticipated. I was hoping this game would be pushing the end of June, not July, but it's at least it's right there firmly in summer, not like at the end of spring, like arms. Uh, yeah, like because if Nintendo wanted to pull in, like, oh, we're releasing it in the spring, like they did with arms. I mean, this game would be coming out in like September, which <laughs> the last month, the last week of uh, summer. I, I, I pretty much was expecting this game to come out in July. Um, I, I was hoping it would come out in June, but you know, I that was just wishful thinking. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our final topic from the Nintendo Direct. Amiibo. They showed off a good amount of Amiibo. Uh, they had the Pikmin Amiibo for Hey Pikmin, which is one of the nicest looking Amiibo that they've showed off. It had all those different colored Pikmin, like climbing the rock. I thought that was very cool. They didn't act... Basically, all they said, though, was that it would summon extra Pikmin for that game. Um... Which makes me wonder what the difficulty level for that game is going to be like if the functionality is summon extra Pikmin. So it makes me think that, hey, this game might be harder than than its cute appearance might lead it, that might lead one to believe. Uh, secondly, we got six Smash 4 Amiibo. Yes. And first off, before we even talk about these Amiibo, the fact that they showed off Amiibo for 
a game a con a game that's on previous console makes me think that we're gonna get a big smash announcement at E3 this year. Why why spend any time at all showing us Smash Amiibo on a direct that had no ties to the Wii U whatsoever? Yes, you could make the argument, but they did have 3DS content. No. Let's be real. They showed off six Amiibo for a Wii U game. Think we're gonna see Smash 4 this year at E3. I think it's going to be a focal point for them at E3, and I think people are going to stand up and clap. So right here, right now, I'm calling it Smash 4 Deluxe at E3. And now let's talk about these amiibo. Cloud, Corrin, Bayonetta, all three of these characters having alternate costumes. Although Corrin's alternate costume looks like almost the same. It's female though. Oh well, yeah, that's true. It's I mean it is female, but um, but yeah, they look amazing. Uh, Nintendo just wants me to spend more money. But I am I'm probably gonna get both clouds. That's the problem. The the Smash lineup of, of Amiibo is the best selling line of Amiibo, and it's the it's the Amiibo line that brings out the hunters. You know, the people that I tell you to watch out for because they're on the prowl. And not just any... And, and, and then factor in the fact that there's Cloud. Yeah, that's going to be... People who don't uh, even like Amiibo will be hunting for this Cloud Amiibo because both versions of it look really good. I, and I mean really good. I, I, I have to get both. Because they they just they look so good. I mean, you have your classic Final Fantasy VII cloud, and then you have like your more Advent children style cloud, and they just it's the same pose, but because cloud looks so different between those two iterations, it's like two completely separate amiibo. Now the Bayonetta amiibo are the ones that I really like though, because between Bayonetta one and Bayonetta two, the character went through a pretty significant design change. And it's reflected in both of her amiibos, and her poses are completely different, which is nice because she's the only one of these three amiibo to have an alternate pose. Corrin is in the same pose, whether you get the male or the female. Cloud's in the same pose. Yet Bayonetta and her sexy ass are doing fan service. Yeah, I... Um, when, when you look back at the very first Amiibos that came out, one of the things that we were um, really pleased with was the quality. It was, at the time, rare to get a high-quality figure of a Nintendo character in America because most of the time you had to look to Japan to find something that was worth paying money for and then you have to consider the price point was bad because you're paying import. Right. And so you're looking at what we have in the States either being very rare or very low quality. And Amiibos came out and they were very popular, partly because they were functional for the games, but also partly because they really um, 
struck a nerve with collectors who just for so long were not able to get high quality figures like this in America. And you look back from from the beginnings of Amiibo to where we are now, and the quality has actually improved. Yeah, significantly. Even, I mean, even within the Amiibos that are coming out still for the Wii U, like the Smash line, the characters have have become more detailed. The poses have become dynamic, dynamic, and 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 uh, you look at even the um, the the poses that they have for the the Legend of Zelda 30th um, anniversary, and I know one of your complaints with the original uh, Link amiibo for Smash 4 was. The stand it looked like it was yellow, and it looked like you know he had pee running down his leg. And there's a Twilight Princess um, model coming out for the Wii U, and they've made I saw the uh, the picture of it, and they made sure that that pose was even though it's the same figure, it's it's slightly higher quality, and the pose is way better. And the poses for all of the characters have gotten better, and the the quality has gone from great to amazing with some of these. I mean, just the uh, the Breath of the Wild Amiibos, I mean, like, the quality of those Amiibos is, is phenomenal. And we, Which just, is, we just keep getting better and better is basically what I'm trying to say. This is strange because Toys to Life is a declining market. Skylanders, done. Disney Infinity, done. Lego Dimensions, done. The only Toys to Life franchise that exists and is continuing to have, con you know, that, that is being continually supported is now Amiibo. I think it's, and honestly, it's because Nintendo set a quality standard with Amiibo that the other companies did not. Right, and they've, and they've continued to improve on it. I mean, they didn't have to because the original quality of, of the first few waves of Amiibo was great but they have just gone to another level with some of these designs and I'm not the collector here you are the collector but I mean if I can notice the, the, the quality I mean I'm sure that you're just probably either going crazy about how great everything looks or, or worrying with how much money you're gonna have to spend a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B speaking of quality man those Legend of Zelda amiibos those look good. I'm excited for more Legend of Zelda amiibo. I think this now makes Link the character with the most amiibo because he has two for Smash, mm -hmm. he has two for Breath of the Wild, and then he has the four that were released for the uh, the 30th anniversary, and now three more. So we have the Majora's Mask Child Link, which looks great. By the way, I love the fact that he's holding the Goron mask. We have the Twilight Princess Link, and then the Skyward Sword Link with that epic pose. That pose just looks so damn good. And I'm like, damn it, Nintendo. These look great. And no more PP Yellow Stand. They just really did a great job. And finally, we have the Amiibo that I'm most excited for. The Splatoon 2 Amiibo. These... When it came to quality in the Amiibo line, I think that the first wave of Splatoon Amiibos set the bar. I thought Amiibo looked really good 
in the Smash line, but when the Splatoon line came out, that's when they hit a quality mark for me. And, you know, when Callie and Marie came out the year later, they continued that trend of maintaining quality. And the Callie and Marie Amiibo are two of my favorite. And they tried, like, you know, the glitter paint on those Amiibo, and they pulled that off. They look great. Now, these Amiibo take that quality, but then add the dynamic pose. Like, where it looks like they're sliding in the ink, and you have, like, the ink spraying out from the bottom of their feet, and that looks phenomenal. And then you couple that with the fact that they just... The design is incredible. These are great Amiibo. Now, a little upset that we're not getting a few of the side characters for this game. Instead, you know, we're just, again, we're getting an Inkling Girl, an Inkling Boy, and an Inkling Squid. Mm -hmm. Same concept that we got for the first wave of Splatoon Amiibo. But I did notice something. The first wave of Amiibo are read-only, which means... Information can only be read from them. This wave of Amiibo is read-write, which means you can put data on these Amiibo by customizing the gear. That is a new concept for Splatoon, and I'm intrigued to see how that's going to be used in Splatoon 2. Well, they did say something about using your Amiibo to, like, play with you, and, and I don't know if that means, like, you can some sort of co-op mode or you can go online with it or I don't know how exactly that's going to work but um, it, it opens up the possibility for maybe having AI in a Splatoon match. That would be intriguing. Basically performing the same function that they do in Smash. Right, which Splatoon is a much more complex game and there are an infinite amount of strategies and a hundred ways to die. So I don't know because even though uh, the Octolings in Splatoon One, the AI was was pretty decent, but it wasn't really a challenge because they just can't think of enough possibilities, and you can always find a way around them and trick them. Whereas I don't know if if they're going to be able to improve the AI enough in Splatoon Two, but even if it's if it's just like the octolings, uh, that's an interesting concept. I, th I think you can still do a lot with that. Um, but like I said, with what they showed us, it, it just almost left more questions than answers. Still, when it comes to design quality, the Splatoon wave continues to set the bar for what Amiibo can be. Uh, but guys. That's it. That's all the talking points we have from this direct. Uh, I thought it was really good. I d like I said, I gave it a B, and I give it a B because it showed a commitment for the next three months for the Switch, and you know the next probably six months for the 3DS. But what it does is it it brings us E3 hype. Like it's it satiates us enough to get us to E3. And I think Nintendo's planning something real big at E3. I mean, they have said as much that we have big plans for E3 this year. I am excited to see what that is. And I felt like this wet all of our appetites getting it, you know, you know, 
on the road to E3. This is going to be a good E3. And I think this Direct basically just gave us enough to get us to that point. So looking forward to a lot of these games. I'm looking forward to, you know, Street Fighter. I'm looking forward to, you know, Monopoly. I'm looking forward to Sonic Mania and Sonic Forces. This is this is going to be a big year for for the, you know, for Nintendo and the Switch. And I think they have shown us that they have some big titles to like really like set them apart. Uh, but I'm excited. So Akpar, you got anything? No, you um, you pretty much said everything that uh, was on my mind. So I uh, I think you're right. I think it is kind of a little bit of a setup to E3. And I mean, yeah, I'm I'm excited for all these titles. This direct was Nintendo striking while the iron's hot. And it was a very good move. We're only two months removed from E3. Perfect time to strike while the iron's hot. But guys, we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna get out of your hair. You already know to hit us up on all of our social media links. And after party, you know how we like to end things here. Stay, Stay fresh. fresh. Deuces. Like that game still hasn't made its presence known on, you know, in other territories outside of Japan. And I really, oh. Are we broadcasting to no. YouTube? No. Okay. no. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. Um, yeah. No, I don't want to play these games because the mobile people poppy graphical output of whatever is not, you know, and it doesn't have the gigahertz memory whatever that... <laughs>